0: You're listening to audio from the Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit tvcresources.net.
1: Well, good morning, TVC. Uh, we're the Coddle family, and we're goers in Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good to be here with you guys. And then we also have four kids. They're, gonna, they're in the audience. Could you guys stand up for us? Yeah, way back in the back. So that's Ben, Katie, Hudson, and Charlie, and then... Katie's just graduated from high school and she's gonna be going to a missions training and outreach in Cambodia next week, so. Yeah. Yeah, so we're just really glad to be here with you guys. This is our, we've been serving in Taiwan for 10 years now. It's our 10th anniversary this month. So it's just because of your faithful support and prayers that we're able to keep serving there. So we're really grateful. And then you guys have probably heard a lot about Taiwan in the news lately, so. Um, We'll be having an interest meeting later where we'll talk more about Taiwan and our ministry there. Um, But yeah, just, so my name is Rich, I didn't say that earlier, and this is Heather. And um, yeah, so we actually go way back with the Village to 2001. We started coming to the Village when it was at the Highland Village Campus. So um, just for old times sake, we're going to be having our interest meeting there. So if you'd like to hear more about our our ministry and learn how you can partner with us, we'll be there from 2 to 3.30 at the Highland Village Campus. So we'd love to see you there and reconnect with you um, if we had not seen you in a while or just, yeah, get to know you if you just want to hear about our ministry. And yeah, we just, we invite you guys to come over there. We'd love to see you. And um, yeah, so then Heather's also be, going to be doing the scripture reading today from Ecclesiastes chapters 1, verse 1 through 11.
0: Also, happy Father's Day. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> happy yeah. Father, Father. That's what it, yeah. So if we realized it's Father's Day, like we didn't, when we scheduled this, we didn't realize it was Father's Day because they have a different Father's Day in Taiwan. So, anyway, we know we realize you might not be able to make it today. And so, um, if you are willing to forego your Father's Day nap, <laughs> then we'd love, to, we'd love to see you there. But we understand if you can't make it, but whoever can make it, we'd love to see you.
0: Okay, so read along with me Ecclesiastes 1 1 through 11. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Hey TBC, Pastor Matt here. Ray Ortland is a dear friend of mine, a mentor, a man I look to as a sage. When I think about what I want to be when I grow up, I wanna be Ray Ortland. Would you welcome my good friend and brilliant proclaimer of God's word to the stage, Ray Ortland? You're very kind. Thank you. And I thank my precious friend, Matt, for this gracious invitation. Jannie and I love the Village Church. And the reason is this. The main reason, Jesus is here. There's nothing greater. (laughs) It is so worth getting in the car and driving down here on a Sunday morning, isn't it? To be with him among his people. Okay, I have this crazy idea. Let's do a flyover of the whole book of Ecclesiastes in half an hour. What do you think? Sound okay? All right, let's do this. The book of Ecclesiastes is in the Bible for a reason that we all understand in our experience every day. Our lives are uncertain and enjoyable and precarious and heartbreaking and worth living. And a lot more at all levels simultaneously. So it's complicated. And we need wisdom to find our way through lives like this. Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books in the Bible. What is wisdom according to Scripture? Wisdom, it's more than being smart because we can be smart-alecky, which is arrogant. Actually, wisdom is humble. It's a gift for the humble. Wisdom is the priceless gift with Practical values, the gift that God gives to people who are willing to notice and think and go, huh, and learn and adapt. There is a way that life in this a broken world can be lived really well. And the Bible calls that wisdom. Without the wisdom that God gives, our lives are more frustrating than we need to be and then we start freaking out, maybe outwardly, maybe more subtly. But wise people are calm and gentle and confident they, they just know where the landmines are, how to step around those landmines. They know where the green pastures and still waters really are and how to find them. The wise understand we can't get home by the wrong road. We can't stay healthy on junk food and so forth. There are so many ways to lose our way, but God gives us, Proverbs chapter 2 says... Wisdom will enter your heart. It's like a new intuition that understands how to cut with the grain of reality. The wise humbly make those adjustments, and there there is a way life can actually work, even in a world like this. So our lives turn out to be hard and rich. How about that? Now, (laughs) here's something almost nobody in America today believes. We cannot redesign reality more to our liking. Can't be done. We are born into a pre-existing reality that God created and blessed. And God's design for our lives, God's design for human existence, is not a conspiracy against us. It is good. It is wise. Reality is actually designed to our advantage. And when we dare to believe that and start humbly adapting to that according to God's wisdom, (laughs) we relax. And a lot of things start getting better. So that's why he gave us the book of Ecclesiastes to help us get back on that path, on the road home, and to do that together. So along the Old Testament books of Job is about suffering. It's a wisdom book, How to Suffer Well. Proverbs is just about daily life. Uh, the Song of Solomon is about romance and marriage. But among the um, uh, uh, wisdom books, Ecclesiastes stands out. This was J.I. Packer's favorite book in the Bible. You know, he wrote this classic, Knowing God. And there's a chapter in that book about the book of Ecclesiastes. It was inconceivable... Okay, J.I. Packer was a, like a legit theologian. If we want to know God then we'll want to jump into the book of Ecclesiastes. J.I. Packer understood that. So, Ecclesiastes stands out among the wisdom... I love this book because it's just provocative. The author is not out to embarrass us, but he is out to unsettle us. Because when we are knocked off balance a little bit and kind of unsettled, we start thinking more deeply and asking better questions. So I want to highlight three primary themes or messages from the book of Ecclesiastes. Here are the three main things that Solomon wants to say from this book. And my goal is that we're walking out of church at the end of the service, or better yet, (laughs) floating out of church thinking, you know, I, I have nothing to offer Christ But he has so much to offer me and he's given so much. He is wise. He understands. He understands this existence I'm stuck with. I think I want to walk with him this week. And then we grow. One week at a time. So, okay, theme number one in the book of Ecclesiastes. Theme number one, life is short. It's right here in chapter 1, verse 2. Futility of futilities, says the preacher. Futility of futilities. All is futile. Life is short. Now, when Solomon writes this, he's the old guy in the room. He's seen everything, been everywhere, done everything. But this isn't the um, grumblings and mutterings of a bitter old man who's just burned up and, 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 and fed up. Life really is short. It just is. We don't last. And there is a reason why. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, when he cut himself off from his own life support system named God... God said to Adam and God said to us all through Adam, I mean, this goes that deep. It's not as though we just stumbled along the way, you know, around, um, you know, AD 943. No, this goes all the way back. It's that deep. God said, dust you are and to dust you will return. He did not say, you have a dust problem, <laughs> but you can work with it and you can invent new and improved forms of dust along the way and different, get different versions of it and franchise it and market. it. No, dust you are. And to dust you will return. Life is short. What else does the Bible say? Man is like A breath. And his days are like a passing shadow. What else? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. The Bible even teaches us how to pray about that. In Psalm 39. Oh Lord, Let me know how fleeting I am. And in the New Testament, it gets us to think about it. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's just true, isn't it? But it can be hard to accept. We build elaborate distractions hiding from this reality. For example, I mean, why, why face facts when we have malls? But verse 2, which is such a strong statement, a bold, insistent statement, this is not in the Bible to make us cynical and to get us hating life. This is in the Bible to get us seeing past surface appearances into the reality of things. What do we start seeing then? Just this. Our biggest successes can be our biggest illusions. And it's not as though some of us might be smart enough to kind of think our way around this challenge and the people who just don't get it, they're stuck with their existence, but, you know, we really know. No, 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 no. The Bible is saying there are no exceptions. All is futile. Here's why. The New Testament says the creation was subjected to futility. How do you work your way around that? Futility of futilities. All is futile. Here's how strong that is. In the Old Testament, in Old Testament language, if you want to kick something up to the superlative degree, this is how you say it. For example, king of kings is the highest king. Holy of holies is the most holy place. Futility of futilities is, (laughs) Bob Dylan, everything is broken. And if Bob Dylan said it, it's gotta be true. (laughs) So, no surprise, we're all gonna be forgotten. I look in my own family history and I know that... Do you know the names of your great-grandparents? Some of you do. I know the names of only two of my great-grandparents. Julius and Anna Ortland, And it was either they in their generation or their parents who came over on the boat from Sweden. But... How can I keep track of all this? I mean... I, I'm trying to learn my neighbor's names in Franklin, Tennessee. And I'm going to be forgotten, too. And so will you. And it won't take long. And that's okay. But it gets us thinking, doesn't it? I mean, what is the point? What is the point of all this effort we're expending? If it's not going to etch our names in stone, jeez, Why? Life is short. We all know it. And it's good to think about it. Here's some pictures of what Solomon is saying. This is my high school football letter with the team there. Blair High School, Pasadena, California, (laughs) 1966. Footy League champs, yes! We stole all the fun from the future, we just sucked it right into 1966. It was we left none for y'all. So sorry. <laughs> but you know what? The next year, 19, fall of 1967, they came back and played another season, and erased everything we did. Bunch of ingrates. <laughs> but it meant a lot to me because I had it framed for crying out loud. It's in my study, and. After I die, my kids are going to come into my study and look at that, and they're going to say, well, what do we do with that? (laughs) And it'll end up in a dumpster. And that's okay. That doesn't mean this is stupid. It does mean it's not going to last forever. Got to face that. Here's another picture, more poignant by far. This is the grave of Pastor Winthrop E. Robinson and his precious wife, Mildred. This world has all the wrong heroes. You've never heard of him. In this world, you never will after today. Pastor Robinson served at Lake Harriet Baptist Church in Minneapolis. And this pastor led my wife's family to Christ over the course of 11 years and changed the trajectory of the entire family. I owe him a debt of eternal gratitude. And Lake Harriet Baptist Church some years later, was enfolded into another church which, as I understand it, I just found this out a couple weeks ago, no longer exists. And isn't that the way it goes? Life is short. It's like we, we build our sandcastles on the beach. And the waves of time wash over. Pretty soon you can't even tell anything was there. The wise accept it. The wise don't fight against it. They deeply accept trusting God, accept what's happening here. I had a conversation with my dad back in the 90s. I don't remember the context, I don't remember how this, this opened up, but he said to me, Son, I'm getting old, and I've made peace with it. This is God's will for me. It's okay. That was wise. My dad was a man who trusted God with how things are unfolding. My dad lived wisely, he died magnificently. Wisdom helps us do that, it helps us to be humble and honest and realistic and open to God as we live our lives as we are buffeted and suffer loss but we trust God and we trust God and we trust God we accept that life is short have you by faith in the risen Christ accepted your soon obliteration from this world? Why not do so? Why not decide right now today, okay, I'm going to stop avoiding this. I'm going to stop not thinking about this, and I am not going to freak out. My life is going to be over soon. I deeply bow to God's plan for me. This doesn't mean that life isn't worth living. But it sure means that fantasy is not worth pursuing. So God is with us right here in this difficult, precarious existence that we have right now. I try to do my best. So do you. I take vitamins every day. Death is not my friend. Death is my enemy. And eventually, I don't need to go looking for it. It'll come find me. Something bad's going to come and take me out. All right, I'm going to heaven. Amen. But I just want to accept very deeply. I look in the mirror and I think, whoa. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening to me. It's like, I'm not just seeing my dad. I'm seeing my dad in his latter years. your life is short your time is now to live wisely and well and your short life is worth living you matter you matter in the eyes of God if you matter to God you really matter there's nothing in this world can establish you and validate you and give you your sense of accomplishment and stability and security and so forth. Only God can do that. And he can. Life is short. Secondly, second theme in the book of Ecclesiastes. Here it is. Life is good. Chapter 9, verse 7. I love this verse. Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Life is good. Enjoy it. It's short, accept that. It's good, enjoy that. And so, I mean, the Bible says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It does not say God saw everything he had made, shrugged his shoulders and said, whatever. No, he was enthusing over his creation in which he located us. And it comes all the way down to the simple things of everyday life. Go eat your bread. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For example, here's some illustrations of life is good. This is is Janie on the swings with her grandchildren, a 70-year-old grandmother, having a blast. And... The question about this is <clears throat> is not why would she do that. The question is why not. Life is good. Here's another one. Um, okay, this precious young couple just fell crazy in love, got married. They're doing so well. We are so proud of them. I had the privilege of officiating at their at their wedding. I mean that is romance. We invented democracy in ancient Greece. I think democracy is a good idea. But we did not invent romance. It came down from above. Amen. This is a wonder. And the fact that it's common should not blind our eyes. This is wondrous that this happens. In a world like this, life is good. And then, uh, oh, friends. Where would we be without friends, for crying out loud? Do you know what Shakespeare said about friends? He said, and those, those friends thou hast and their adoption tried. In other words, they've been tested and proven faithful. They're real friends. Those friends thou hast and their adoption tried. Grapple them unto thy soul with hoops of steel. Never let go of your friends. What a gift from above. A sacred, precious gift of friends. Life is good. And then, um, oh, this is my son Eric. We're over in London at the National Portrait Gallery. The building itself is a work of art. And we're going through seeing these magnificent portraits, hundreds of them in London. A place like that shouldn't exist. Art shouldn't exist. Beauty shouldn't exist. It does. Why? Because God is here. And he gives us this sacred, glorious gift. I want to go back with my son right there. And then finally, (laughs) I will owe Jannie big time for the rest of my life. She surprised me with a puppy. Isn't that the coolest gift ever? Do you, does anybody here have a dog? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, as far as I know, I'm, I don't know physics, but I just, if all the doggies suddenly disappeared, would the universe implode? I mean, I, I don't think they're essential to the functioning of reality. I think God, our gracious Father and Creator, just said, they will love this. <laughs> Now, you and I might not have all the joy and all the opportunity and all the pleasure and all the laughter that we had hoped for, but what do you have? What has God given you? Whatever God has given you is his gracious. It's his kiss on your cheek. Life is good. He's given good gifts to you this morning. The most astounding thing happened. I got up and drove to Starbucks and I had a venti pike with heavy cream. It was heavenly. (laughs) That didn't just happen. God gave it. Did you have coffee this morning? What a sweet gift. The Lord is so kind. And so let's see the wonder everywhere in the goodness of life right now. Life is good because God is good. And actually, it would be kind of a really big bad sin to just put our foot down and refuse to laugh and rejoice. Dorothy Sayers, the friend of C.S. Lewis, helped us to see that joy is not an unserious option. It's actually a part of wisdom and character. She said, in the world it is called tolerance... But in hell it is called despair, the sin that believes in nothing. The sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and remains alive because there is nothing for which it will die. Depression is not sinful. But I would be wrong before God to look up at Him and say, This sucky life that you gave me, is this the best you got? But I would be wise before God to say thank you. There are some things about my life I really enjoy, there are things about my life I really hate. This complicated package called My Story. I put it down before you. And everything that can be enjoyed by your grace for your glory, I will enjoy. To your praise and glory and your honor. That leads us to our third and final point. Major theme in Ecclesiastes. Life is short, so your time is now. Life is good, and you don't want to miss out. Thirdly, prepare to meet God. Chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. So here's the bottom line. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Or to translate that into the words of Jesus, He said, follow me. To fear God means we start treating him as real in this world that treats him as distant, remote, and irrelevant. To keep his commandments means we salute his flag here in this world set against him. And that faith-inspired reverence and obedience following Jesus is the whole duty of man. Let it, hold everything else loosely. Keep Christ at the center. And looking out beyond today, beyond all this world, let's get ready to meet the Lord. Verse 14, the next verse. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, the judgment, see the word Judgment. The judgment here is not condemnation, it is evaluation because it says whether good or evil. So we know two things when we look out to, reality, to eternity. One, no one is getting away with anything, there will be no secret thing. There are no secrets from God, and He will have the last word. Justice will prevail. second thing we know every one of us will report him and give an account of ourselves what we've believed and what we've done we will give an account of ourselves to our king are you ready you can be ready not by proving how worthy you are but by admitting you aren't And receiving God's grace. We secretly fear that God must despise us. I feel this way. If he has any self-respect at all, he will totally despise me. That feeling is a lie. That is not the gospel. The truth is He entered into this world of futility as one of us, vulnerable like us. His name was Jesus. He had no special advantages. Have you ever noticed every time he worked a miracle, it was for somebody else? He never said, breakfast? (laughs) It was always for somebody else. He accepted our limitations. He lived within what we're stuck with. And he walked the path of wisdom we've strayed from. And he died an atoning death for every foolish decision we've ever made. And he rose up from it all with eternal, undiable, immortal life. He is at this moment in this world, sprinting through this world, scooping up sinners in his arms, loving them eternally, having a blast doing so. And he will not stop until the whole universe sparkles as the new heavens and the new earth where we will live forever and we receive that with the empty hands of faith not because we deserve it but because he enjoys giving his best to the undeserving and that's how we get ready to stand before the Lord and report in So all he's asking you to do at this moment, all you can do and what you must do is receive his grace and mercy with the empty hands of faith. And if you'll do that, the Bible says your labor in the Lord, that is that new life you start living that he starts giving you, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It will matter forever. Okay. There's my sermon. I hope you liked it. But look, now I want to ask you for something. This is personal. I am asking you for something. If you've never crossed the line... From guardedness to openness with Jesus. I'm asking you to pray a simple two-sentence prayer. I want to lead it, lead you in it right now. Let's pray. Lord, I'm a mess. But from now on, I want to be your mess. Amen.